Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Welcome to Genesee Valley Church's online podcast. GVC is a non-denominational church in Flint, Michigan, and our mission is simple. To love God, love people, and love life. I know that you will be blessed by the message and the words that God has for you today. Now, here's Pastor Tony. House of the Lord, right? Amen. And so I, I just trust that we're growing and we're learning some things here as we've been talking about offenses. Did anybody get anything out of last week? I, I don't know about you, but I thought it was a pretty darn good message. And the reason being is because I'm taking it out of my own life, man. I just, I'm, I'm purposing this to take some personal notes and say, God, help me help people because I know how I am. Come on. Does anybody relate with what we've been talking about? Well, for the sake of just reviewing just a little bit, when it comes to offenses, let me just remind you of a couple of things. Jesus said this, that when it comes to offenses, it's impossible for it not to come. So in other words, here's what Jesus said. He says, offenses, they're coming. They're coming to your house. They're coming to your job. They're coming to your marriage. It's just a matter of what are you going to do with the offenses when they come, Right? Then he also said this, he, he made this distinction, he says when it comes to offenses, he says listen, you might look at the person, you might look at the, 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 the occasion of where it came from, and he says offenses come through, through what's said or what is done to you, he says but listen, it's not really a matter of the people that are doing it, he says really it's a tactic of the enemy that is causing the offense to come. Because that's where he can begin to get a foothold. In fact, with that being said, let me give you the, 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 the definition of what offense means. Remember we said that concerning the Greek, the Greek is descriptive in, in what it's trying to get across to us. And the Greek word for offense means this. The part of a trap to which the bait is attached, hence the trap, the snare itself. Webster's Dictionary says this. It's the act of creating resentment, hurt feelings... And displeasure, the condition of being offended, especially feeling hurt, resentful, or angry. So in other words, we could say it this way. Feelings of anger, resentment, hurt feelings. It's nothing more than bait that has been set for you to get you caught in a trap or to snare you. You've got to hear that. Because once again, when we think of offense, we think of faces, we think of things done. But really, there's an underlying thing that is taking place, and the enemy's just trying to catch you. And it says that these things, did you notice that it is attached to your feelings, how it makes you feel? And based on how you feel, I give in to the bait, and I give place to the offense in my life. Right? Now, the, the, the Bible says that the enemy is cunning, and he's crafty, he's full of trickery. So for that matter, you know, the enemy doesn't come to your house and say, here I come. I'm going to tear your house down. I'm going to huff and I'm going to puff and I'm going to blow your house down. Right. Because if you're like me, it'd be like, come on and bring it on. Right. Anybody that wants to to come and and try to bring uh, uh, destruction to your home to come against you. Come on. I know that I'm a pastor, but given the right scenarios. You push my buttons the right way, you may find out that I don't act too much like a pastor. You know what I'm talking about. Right? Why? Because if somebody's going to threaten me, I'm going to step up to the threat and say, let's handle this. 
And so the enemy knows that if that's how he comes to your house, comes to your marriage, comes to your life, that's exactly what you'll do is you'll step up and say, come on, I don't think so. Come on, just think about moms. You think about men tending to be that way. But you just think about moms and somebody picking on their little baby. Oh, mama hen comes out real quick, right? You don't want to mess with mama hen. Right? So once again, the enemy does not come in full, full bore, barrels blasting. He comes in very cunning, crafty, very tricky to set the bait for you to take it and get trapped. Now, if you remember, I said that I was a trapper when I was a teenager. And so I just, I happened to dig up some traps that I had uh, just out in the shed. And, and in fact, I didn't even try working on these or seeing if they worked or not. So uh, forgive me, uh, I haven't done them in a long time. But if you don't mind, would you mind putting your finger in here and see if it actually works? No. <laughs> so let me just see if I can set this and remember if I, if I can do it. All right. You got to use your foot to step on the spring. And there's there's all kinds of... All kinds of different traps. This one is a is a leaf spring one. And this is a single spring. And so it would be for smaller animals. All right? So now, obviously, nobody in their right mind, even my kids, if I was to show them what that thing does, my kids wouldn't be, be silly enough to put their fingers in there. I could put a candy bar on there. I could put a piece of gum on there. And my kids would not be silly enough to take the bait. Now, for all of you, here I got some money. This could be a 20, this could be a 50, this could be a 100. This could be a $1,000 bill, whichever. No. All right? So there it is. It's sitting on the pan. Is anybody silly enough to go out there and try to take the money off? Some of you might say, I might. Listen, it would hurt really bad. You might say, well, the payoff, you don't know how bad, how bad off it is. I need some money. My point is this, is that typically we as individuals, when we see things that are just out and out common sense, I'm not going to fall for that. But what does the enemy do? He does it so cunning, so crafty, that if we're not careful, we get caught up with the bait of offense. And it snares us and it traps us. I didn't think I didn't expect it to break it. It broke it. See? Now, dare you put your fingers in there. All right. Housekeeping. Yeah, housekeeping. We got ink on the floor. Doggone it. Oh my goodness. Forgive me. Forgive me. They just they just did uh wash what do we call that? Uh yeah, clean the carpets. They shampooed the carpets, so me and I'm in trouble now. So my point is this. You saw how awesome that example was, that it broke the pen. Obviously, you're not going to stick your fingers in a trap, right? Come on, are you getting the point? The enemy is cunning and crafty. And if you remember, notice what it says concerning the enemy. That when it comes in, when he comes in, he, he does it very deceitfully. In Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10, it says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles. Everybody say wiles. wiles. The wiles of the enemy or of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and against rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. So Paul, the apostle Paul says, listen, when you're going through things, it's not the people that you think that you're dealing with and struggling with. There is an undercurrent that it's the enemy trying to bring things against you. And the Bible says it's the wiles of the enemy. 
And the word wiles is actually translated in the Greek as, let me get the word, is methodos. Or in other words, his method of doing things is crafty, is tricky, but then it gives this more accurate description is that it is a road that he leads you down. What's the enemy endeavoring to do? To lead you down a road of offense. Now, concerning your life, concerning your marriage and your home, your marriage, your family and your children, your church, God wants us to fulfill the purpose and the plan for our life. And He wants us to do it as efficiently as we can. He wants us to to, to find out what we need to do to grow and to increase so that we can be as effective as we can in this life. As husbands and wives, as moms and dads, as a church, right? And so we could say it this way. Concerning the road of life, God wants us to live life on the expressway. Because on the expressway, there's very few stops. On the expressway, you can go faster. On the expressway, it's a more straighter path to get to the destination. But as with any road, there's some bumps, there's some obstacles, and even on the expressway, occasionally, there's a traffic jam. And if you see those things, and you have the opportunity to be offended at what's in the road, you'll hear this voice that says, why don't you get off the road? Why don't you take this next exit? Let's take the path of least resistance. And so what he ends up doing is he gets you to to divert or lead you off the road down a different road. And this is the road that was taking you to the place of God's destination. The fastest way to get there. But he says, let's get off. And when you get off the expressway, you might still be on the main road. But you're not able to travel as fast and as far without the greater obstacles along that way. But even so, you'll find that as you've been journeying down that road... Even though you thought it was the path of least resistance, you find that on that road, even on that road, there's obstacles. There's stops. There's traffic. And then you decide, let's get off this road. And so you get off the main road and you get off into the back street roads. And before you know it, you're off in the country. And you're thinking, where did everybody go? Where did all the life go? I'm out in the middle of cornfields. Well, it's because you took one exit after one exit because you wanted to divert or get out of the place where God was directing you. And he's begun to lead you down a path. But there's still offenses. There's still bumps. There's still obstacles. And the devil's going to say, well, let's take this road. And before you know it, you're on a dirt road. And there's bumps and potholes in the dirt roads. And he says, let's get off this road. And now you're on the, 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 the middle of a two-track road out in the middle of the woods that leads to a dead end. And this road has diverted you. The path, the method by which the enemy has led you was to get you to a place of being isolated and alone. I've taken this path and taken this path and taken this path to the place where I am all alone. Now listen, there's two sides to that. There's people that live life every day with people that are around a bunch of people because of their work, because of what they do. But in the midst of being around a mass of people, they're still trapped within themselves and they're still alone. And on the other side, there's those that just simply isolate themselves and withdraw and just become alone. Because of offenses that have come. 
Are you tracking with me this morning? Are you seeing what we're talking about? So this morning, what I want to talk about is the prison of offense. The prison of offense. In Matthew's Gospel, chapter 5, starting in verse 21, this is the, the, the part of Jesus' ministry where he was giving and delivering the Sermon on the Mount. And as he was delivering his message, one of the things that he said was that the things that show up on the outside, the things that you experience in your life, the things that you begin to have struggles with, naturally speaking, they first showed up in the heart. Did you hear me? I said, Jesus was very strategic in telling people and bringing the point across that before something happens in your life, it happens in your heart. Come on, this is the Christmas season, and there is a cartoon that is going to be coming on called The Grinch. And everything about that cartoon is about what he's become as a result of what's happened in his heart. If you've never seen it, watch it. If you've watched it, watch it with new eyes and look at how his heart became small and became hard. So in Matthew chapter 5, starting in verse 21, it says this. It says, You have heard that it was said to the people long ago, You shall not murder, and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that if anyone is angry with his brother or sister, will be subject to judgment. Again, anyone who says to his brother or sister, Raka, is answerable to the courts. And anyone who says, You fool, will be in danger Of the fire of hell. Now notice what he says here. He says now you know the law. You know the ten commandments. And it says thou shalt not murder. And if you murder you'll be accountable to judgment. But Jesus says now listen. How did you ever get to that place? You got to that place because of what was taking place in your heart. He says if you talk harshly. Raka. What's that mean? I don't know. Maybe you. Cussed out your family. I don't know. Sounds like it, don't it? <laughs> Raka. You know you've done worse. <laughs> says if you talk that way, you're, you're accountable to judgment. And he says this. He says if you even call him, you fool. And it's a condition of your heart. He says you're subject to hellfire. Now what's he saying? Is he saying that if you have a bad attitude that you'll go to hell? No. The, the, what we've been told is that concerning this particular area, what, what, what has taken place, Jesus is making a reference to those that served false gods and they made sacrifices. And they since stopped doing it. But in that day, they, they tell us that that city where they made the sacrifice, it was a city that was at ruin and it became a garbage heap and they would set the, the, the city and the garbage on fire. So therefore, it was just a wasteland and there was fires that continued to burn. But the stench and the smell that rose because of it was something that was still there. So what's Jesus saying? Jesus says that if you'll allow offense to take place in your heart towards somebody that's close, towards somebody else for that matter, he says you can cause your marriage, your family, your relationships to be a living hell. He says those relationships, they can actually stink like a garbage heap. Because you allow bitterness, you allow offense to come in. 
And isn't it amazing how we as Christians, people that have been forgiven of the offense, and Jesus took that offense and took that punishment for us, but yet we're the quickest to carry offense. I said we as Christians are ones that are most, most accept, susceptible to carry an offense. If you want to be happy, don't carry offense. If you want to find joy in your life, don't allow yourself to be offended in your heart. Jesus said this. He said, a house divided against itself can't stand. A house divided against itself can't stand. So what's the enemy trying to do when he tries to bait the hook with offense? He's trying to bring division. You know, we got a newly married couple. Jessica and we got, what's your name again? Kyle. Just drew a blank. I was captivated by your handsome looks. I just, I got lost in your eyes. <laughs> so Kyle and Jessica just got married. How many, how long ago? A month. Come on, man. One month. Praise God. Woo. Now, what are you clapping for? Are you clapping because you're feeling sorry for them? Like you don't know what's ahead of you. So I know I, we love you. So listen, they just got married a month ago and I know that they're in newlywed bliss of like, oh my goodness, I love you so much and they just want to spend time together. But you know, the enemy is endeavoring to try to bring division and schism in their life. Whatever it might be. I did some marriage counseling with him and I says, how do you roll your toilet paper? And she says, I roll it any which way I want to. He says, it's got to be on the front forward. You realize that offense has come just because of toilet paper. I asked him the question. I said, when it comes to toothpaste, are you a roller or are you a squeezer? And she says, well, I think I squeeze it. And he says, I roll it. Very. You know what I mean? The littlest things. Can bring offense. And what you think is so cute about that person. You're like, oh, it is lovey-dovey. I love you. Is the very thing that the enemy tries to come in and bring division and schism. And that is the exact picture of the church. Jesus said marriage between a man and a woman is the example of the relationship with, uh, with Christ and the church. And so if the enemy is trying to bring division and schism in the midst of families, in marriages, what do you think he's trying to do in the church? Bring division and schism. They sat next to me last week. And they knew that was the place I always put my coat. How dare they take that place? I'm so offended. I've been asking Jordan to play that song for the last month and a half. And he refuses to play that song that I like. And dear God, they took up offering last month. And they got to ask for offering every single week. Can you believe it? <laughs> Listen, there's something that will get offended. And once again, the enemy is trying to bring division and schism in the midst of our lives. Right? Come on. Jesus said this. He says... You're talking about the speck in somebody else's eye. He said, but don't you realize you've got a plank in your own eye? Come on, think about it. They're, they're talking about a speck. Man, look at Cody. I just don't like the way you cut your hair. Something silly. Something goofy. Little did they know that they got a plank in their own eye. 
Did you ever notice, you know, whoa, hey, how, how you doing? Huh? See, it's dangerous. See, you got this big plank in your eye. And see, how do you think that it got there? It got there because of little things, little offenses. And it became accumulated to where it became a big thing. And just as I'm holding it like it up against my face, you, again, once again, it impairs your vision. But it's also dangerous for those that are around you because you can end up hurting them, right? And that's what the enemy is endeavoring to do when it comes to bringing offense. Jesus said, it's the little little foxes that spoil the vine. It's the little things that begin to accumulate. And God is wanting us to be free from offense. And have you ever noticed that it's those people that you have the closest relationships that have the greatest ability to hurt you? Come on. Kyle and Jessica, you would think... Man, they are just so cute together. Look at him. He's got his arm around her. She's nuzzled into him. Oh, my. They're so cute. Oh, my goodness. Get a room. No, they're just so in love. But let's check up 20 years down the road. Is it the same way? Or as offenses come? And like I said, it's those that are the closest to you that can hurt you the most. And you ask yourself the question. See, nobody's ever showed up to the divorce court and said, all right, I'm ready. No, it's something that was subtle that got you to that place. And you ask yourself the question, how did we get here? One offense at a time. How do we ever leave a church How do churches split? How did a church down the road just stop doing church and loving God and loving people? One offense at a time. Now, I don't mean that that's what happened. I don't really know. But I'm just saying, how does those type of things happen? One offense at a time. Continuing with the Sermon of the Mount, Jesus said this in verse 23. He says, you've got to get it right. He says, therefore, if you're offering your gift on the altar and they remember... And there, remember that your brother and sister has something against you. Leave your gift there in the front of the altar. First, go be reconciled to them. Then come to the offer or come and offer your gift. Notice what it says. You're coming to the altar to worship God. You're coming to church to get close to Him. But Jesus says. You can't properly connect with God if you've got offense. Offense keeps you from being able to worship God. And he says, don't let it hinder you. Get it right with the person. Come on, I know you're sitting here this morning. I'm reaching for you. Jesus, I love you. Oh, my husband, I hate him. Oh, get him, Lord. Oh, I'm reaching for you. He was so stupid on the way into church. Oh, Jesus. Come on, are you here this morning? We come in and we act all churchy, raising our hands. And all the while, the offense in our heart is stirring. And we're thinking that we're getting close to God. And God says, listen, get it right. Don't wait. Run to get it right with people. 
so that that offense doesn't keep you from entering into a deeper relationship with God. Now, I'm not saying that it will keep you from God, but I'm saying the relationship that you know that you want in your heart, you can't have it if you carry offense in your heart. He says, get it right. And then he goes on to say this in verse 25 and 26. He says, settle the matter quickly. He says, with your adversary, settle it quickly with your adversary who is taking you to court. Do it while you are still together on the way, or your adversary may hand you over to the judge, and the judge may hand you over to the officers, and you may be thrown into prison. Now listen, did you notice the progression? He said the offense just started with something in your heart, but because we don't deal with it, they take it to the court. So in other words, it always escalates. It always becomes something more. And then it says that if you don't handle it, what happens? It turns into an imprisonment in your life. They'll hand you over to be thrown into prison. Prison. Verse 26, truly I tell you, you will not get out until you have paid the last penny. Jesus said, handle the matter quickly. Get it right with the person. Don't allow offense to keep on stirring and festering in your heart. He says, get it right. Because what it ends up doing is producing a prison. Offense is the bait. It's the trap that leads you. And have you ever noticed that we train ourselves to be offended? Come on, let's just be real honest. We train ourselves to be offended. And for that matter, much of our childhood has framed our life. So think about it for just a minute. I've got this up here. I know it's a rustic example. But here's a frame or a framework. And your childhood has begun to frame who you are. Now, I've got a... Five-year-old, an eight-year-old, and a ten-year-old. I just love my little five-year-old. I mean, I just love him to pieces. I just eat him up. And the reason being is because he is still innocent. I mean, he might get a little huffy and puffy, but, I mean, we're best buds the next second, man. We're wrestling and we're doing... He's just innocent. But then you go up a couple years... To my eight-year-old. She's as sassy as a firecracker. And she's middle child. And so she's always trying to prove and get attention and always trying to poke and prod. And this is like, girl, I'm going to swap this. You know what I mean? And what happens? She starts expressing her attitude. And then you just go up a couple more years to my ten-year-old. I mean, you would think she's a teenager with all the attitude she has. I mean, rolls her eyes. and mm, You know, she gets to that point where you think, you know what, I'm going to make you laugh. And she's like, mm, you ain't going to make me laugh. Mm-mm, I'm mad. No, she puckers up her face. Just having attitude. What is it? It's the framework of the childhood that is beginning to sculpt them and make them who they are. And there's times that I look at my kids and look at the variance and the difference. I look at my little son that's so innocent. And I look at my oldest thinking, man, you got major attitude. I'm thinking, I know that the attitude came from me. I created that in her. How do I bridge the gap and diffuse that? How do I keep my son from not becoming that? Because I am the one that's creating the framework for my children. 
as to who they are, to who they become. And regardless of your upbringing, regardless of the things that have went on in your life, it's instinctive to protect yourself. Did you hear me? I said it's instinctive to try to protect yourself. And as a result of trying to protect yourself, you become more rigid. As I look at my children and look at the innocence of who they are, and the older that they become, the more rigid that they become. Now I'm looking at a lot of adult faces, but you're still kids on the inside. But are you innocent and tender on the inside? Or has life made you become rigid? Are you tender and flexible? Or are you hard and just coping? Because as I said, when it comes to taking offense, what our tendency is, is start to protect ourselves. And if you begin to think about it, as we begin to try to protect ourselves... When it comes to offense, we start to guard and start to protect. We start to guard and protect and say that I'm not going to be hurt. Have you ever noticed that those individuals that always seem to be getting offended... Are the ones that are the most offendable? In other ones, the ones that seem to always take offense are the ones that seem to produce offense in other people's lives. And the reason being is because they start looking for it. And as they start looking for it, they got the plank back in their eye. They're looking at all the little stuff, but as they're looking, they're creating damage. Well, that person over there created an offense in my life. And so as you do, you take the plank out. And you start to protect yourself again. Have you ever noticed that there are those that always seem to be offended again? They're looking for it. But it always seems that those people are the ones that are the most hard with their words. Harsh with their words. Well, listen. By God, I've got something to say. I'm going to say it. If I've got an opinion, I'm going to let you know what my opinion is. That's just the way that I am. Well, why is that just the way that you are? The reason that you got that way is because you got hard in your heart. You might say, well, it's just me being real. No, it's just you being mean. Well, I've got every right to say what I want to say. Who gave you the right? Maybe it's a constitutional right. But unless you've got the ability to change or have the authority to change something, your opinion don't matter. Come on, are you hearing me? I'm not trying to be hard. My point is is that we justify our behavior. But really all it is is the plank that's in our eye. And all we're trying to do is protect ourselves. Looking at the the specks in everybody else's eyes. But as we try to protect ourselves. All we're doing. Is taking offense. Have you ever noticed that those that are. 
always offendable are the ones that have the biggest criticisms. Those that are always offended have chronic emotional issues, maybe depression. Those that seem to find themselves offended frequently are those that are chronically having pain in their physical body. And then as a result, many of those people are medicating because of the hurt and the offense. And the medication is simply a way to protect. Many are oblivious to themselves. And isn't it interesting, the ones that are always offended... Always look to blame somebody else. But it's always somebody else. But the common denominator. Is you. And as a result. You're always taking offense. But because. You're trying to protect yourself. You're building offense. And that which you've been trying to protect yourself has become nothing more than your prison. Everybody's out there. And I'm here. I'm alone. I'm hurting. And I don't know how to change it. Jesus said, don't take the offense. Isn't it interesting... That Jesus, that was the most offended person that humanity has ever known. A sinless man became sin for you and I. But he chose to not be offended. And he took the planks. And rather than to look at your fault, he nailed it to the cross. So that you and I could be free. Amen. What did he do? He tore it down. He said, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. There are people that are being strategically used to keep you offended. And I know you're miserable being in that place. And God says, let's tear it down. Don't be enslaved anymore. Amen. Understand this. Offense. Is an action. Being offended. Is a decision. Let's choose to be free. Come on let's stand. Every head bowed and every eye closed. I'll be the first to tell you. I know what it is to be offended. My nature is just to be a principal kind of guy. 
Well, if you'll live by principle, you'll realize that there's many people that will live outside of the principles of what seems right or wrong. Come on, it can seem black and white. It can seem like it's common sense. It can seem like it's commonplace. But regardless, it gives us no right to be offended. So what do we do? We give it to Him right now. Maybe it's your past that has set the framework for your life to be offended all these years later. You can't change the past, but you can choose today to tear down the bars and the walls and the planks that have kept you prisoner. And say, God, I choose to forgive. I choose not to be offended anymore. I choose to be free today. I choose not to carry the feelings of hurt. I choose to have joy and fulfillment and happiness in my life. Because it's my choice. Come on, you got to get that chip off your shoulder. Come on, you put that chip up there, somebody will come to knock it off. Stop it. Just get rid of the chip. Just get free. Amen. I'm going to pray for you right now. And obviously every single person in this place. Has something that has happened. Something that has changed your life. There are some people right now. That there are things that have happened. That have become a definer of who you are today. And yet you are imprisoned because of that very thing. And I know you say, well, I'll never forgive them. I'll never forgive them. Jesus forgave you. Jesus forgave you and said, here's freedom. It's your choice. And I just believe that as I pray right now, if your purpose, if it's a person, if it's a thing... You'll say, God, I'm giving it to you right now. And I am no longer going to be a prisoner. I believe wholeheartedly God's going to set you free and change your life right now. Right now. Are you ready? Dear Heavenly Father, I pray for each and every person under the sound of my voice. Those that are listening by audio. In Jesus' name, Father, I thank you. That you have paid a price for our offense and said, I choose not to be offended. But nevertheless, I will walk in forgiveness and love them unconditionally. And give them the freedom to know the peace of God in their life. And so God, we extend our, our hearts towards you and say, we receive that forgiveness. And God, in that is the empowerment to forgive ourselves. So God, whoever that person is, whatever that event was, whatever the last thing that has caused us to feel so alone, we hand it over to you right now. We give them to you. We surrender them to you. And we no longer are enslaved And under the power of their control because of that event. We are free now. And choose to be free. And choose to not go there in our thought life. Not go there with our words. We choose to be free. Because God we will not build a fence nor take offense in our life. 
And we thank you right now that that work has begun. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Do you believe it? If you'll leave here right now saying, I left it there. You don't ever have to pick it up again. Amen. Come on, you want to worship God one last time? Come on, let's just celebrate this freedom moment right now. Amen. and take a look at all of our social media sites, which can be found at our website, gvchurch.tv. We know that today's message has been a blessing to you. Thanks for listening. We are Genesee Valley Church, loving God, loving people, and loving life.